guys. Welcome to our Harvest Men of Valor podcast. This is Pastor Elijah. And this week we'll be continuing in our study through the book of Revelation. Last week, Pastor Brad was in chapter 2 and 3, and he focused specifically on the warnings written to the seven churches. And if you haven't listened to that message, I would pause, go listen to that podcast, and come back and join me for this week's podcast. So I'm going to be in chapters 2 and 3, but I'll be focused on the rewards waiting for the seven churches. Now, the first thing that we want to do is define reward. A reward is a thing given in recognition of one's service, effort, or achievements. And believers will receive rewards for their efforts, service, and achievements. And remember, in the Bible, there's two judgments. And the first is the great white throne judgment, which is in Revelation 20, which is for the non-believer who will be held accountable for their sins and will ultimately end up eternally separated from God in the lake of fire, which is a second death. But the second judgment, which is talked about in 2 Corinthians and Romans 14, is referred to as the judgment seat of Christ. Or you may have heard it being referred to as the Bema seat, and that's for believers. Now, the concept of the Bema seat comes from the ancient Olympics, where a judge would sit on the Bema seat at the finish line. Now, the judge, judge's purpose was to determine what position the run, runners um, came in and to give out the appropriate rewards according to where one placed, whether it was first, second, or third, or whatever the competition was. And in a similar way, Jesus is waiting at the finish line of the believers and will reward us according to the obedience and how we have used what he has given us. And let's briefly look at the rewards that will be given to the faithful in these churches and the nature of these rewards. The first church that we want to look at is Ephesus, the loveless church. In Revelations 2.7, it says, To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. Now, this church went from a loving relationship to a loveless duty. They became like the husband who set himself on autopilot. He goes to work, he takes out the trash, he buys food, and he even pays the bills. But he doesn't show any affection towards his wife. This church was in a similar relationship with God. The relationship had been reduced to religious duty. They abandoned their first love. But the reward to those who conquered that abandoned love is the promise of restoration. But keep in mind, God did not leave this church. This church left God. And God is a God of restoration and love, and he promised to restore the relationship of those who repent and remember him. And the fact that the reward God offers is the tree of life in, in his paradise is an indication that God wants to dwell with mankind. And if you look, the original paradise, which was Eden, where the tree of life was originally, was the place where Adam and Eve dwelt with God in a loving relationship. But it's also where mankind originally left his first love. But the God of restoration offers this church paradise and the tree of life for the one who conquers in the church. See, the ward was a restored relationship with God dwelling with him in paradise for eternity. Now, the second church is Smyrna, the, the persecuted church. Now, Revelations 2, 10 and 11 says, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers not be hurt by the second death. Now, this church had no internal problem, but faced external problems from the outward opposition. And they were being heavily persecuted and were about to even be killed for their faith, as Jesus warned. But the rewards to those who conquer this persecution is the promise of eternal life. See, everything was against them, but Jesus tells them, you be faithful to the death and you will receive life. 
And this reminds me of the passage in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 19, where it says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And we'll come back to this church. But here we see Christians can trust that through persecution and even death that God will honor their faithfulness with eternal life. So those who wear the badge of suffering and death for our Lord on earth will bear the crown of life in heaven. See, God promises those who are persecuted and put to death for their faith, life eternal. Now, the third church, Pergamum, the worldly church, um, Revelations 2, 17, it says, To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Now, the things that God had against this church didn't have to necessarily do with them openly denying him, but instead it was the things that they were indulging in. The church was engaged in wicked practices of the world. The fact that Balaam, who gave Balak, the king of Moab, the idea that ultimately led to Israel's compromise in the Old Testament is mentioned here, shows that there were false teachers who taught this church to satisfy themselves in the things of the world. The reward for the ones who conquer the worldly indulgence is the promise of sustenance, satisfaction in Jesus. See, the world will never fill you, but Jesus will. Jesus tells his church that he will satisfy them and that he will give them manna from heaven, which was what sustained Israel in the wilderness, and the white stone with the name on it, like an authentic admission ticket to events in the ancient Roman Empire. Now, that idea is that you have special admittance into God's presence. And when we are in the presence of God and satisfy our appetites with him, our desire to satisfy ourselves in the world fades. Now, this church was full of the world, but when you're full of God, you have no room for the world. So the world will drain you, but God will sustain you. And God promises that those who reject worldliness, that he will sustain them. Now, the fourth church Thyatira, the tolerant church, Revelations 2, 26 through 28, the one who conquers and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. As when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my father, I will give him the morning stars. See, Jesus is looking at this church in judgment when you look at the description of Jesus. Now, it's not clear whether the leadership was openly teaching evil, but they did nothing about this sinful prophetess teaching evil. It appears that the leadership has given authority over to this woman. Now, the authority in the church had no backbone, and they just allowed it to happen. And, that, and as a pastor and leader myself, I understand that it's our job to protect the flock, but this leadership, they failed their flock. But the reward to those who conquer the tolerance of sin is the promise of authority. Now, you may not be in a position of authority where you're at, but Jesus reminds the faithful in this church that they will not be judged, but instead he will raise them up and give them authority to judge. Now, he's speaking of the millennial kingdom where believers in Christ will rule and reign with him. And you'll hear more about that in the coming weeks. But those who don't tolerate evil will one day be given authority and position with the Lord to uphold righteousness, unlike the leadership there. So God promises to those who do not tolerate sin, authority, and his coming reign. Now, the fifth church, Sardis, the dead church, Revelation 3, 5, it says, The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Now, this church was dead. They were basically like a corpse in a tuxedo. 
They were like Weekend at Bernie's. And I'm not talking about the Bernie, the guy in the chair with the mittens, but the movie with the dead guy that looked like he was having a good time at the party, but he was dead. So they looked alive on the outside, but they were dead on the inside. And people thought they were alive, but God knew they were dead. Now, they had a great reputation on earth, but had a terrible reputation in heaven. But the reward to those who conquer this deadness is the promise of a living reputation in heaven. See, your reputation on earth may not be great among men because you refuse to compromise, but Jesus has given you a great reputation amongst your Father in heaven. It says that he will give them white garments and that he will confess your name before the Father and his angels. He is telling heaven about the conquerors of the church. So the goal is to have a great reputation in heaven. And with Jesus confessing your name to the Father and his angels, he will ensure that. So God promised to those who, who are truly alive in him on earth that it will be made known in heaven. They will have a living reputation in heaven. Now in the sixth church, Philadelphia, the faithful church, Revelation 3.12 says, The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own name. Now this church, they were surrounded by wickedness. Yet as verse 8 says, even with a little power, they kept God's word. Jesus also points out that there were people in this city masquerading as Jews or God's children. Um, but they weren't. They were liars. And we know that the true children of God are those who um, have a relationship with him. And there seemed to be some sort of identity confusion between these people in the church about who really God's children are, even though, you know, obviously there was no confusion with God. But with all these things surrounding them, they remained faithful and Jesus only had encouragement for them. The reward to those conquerors of faith is the promise of permanence and identity. Remember, he said they had little power and kept his name. Look at their rewards. He makes them a pillar in the temple of God. This is interesting. They stood strong with little power on earth, and the reward, their reward is they will be permanent pillars in the temple of God, standing strong. Their faithfulness in being unmovable on earth resulted in them being unmovable in, in heaven, in God's temple. He also um, will reward them with the name of the Father, the name of his city, and his own new name. We know New Jerusalem, but, you know, I'm not sure about what uh, those, those other names will be um, at this point. But I do know there will be no question of the identity, and everyone will know who they are. They'll know that they're God's true children as they're established in his temple, strong and firm for their faithfulness. You see, God promised to this faithful church permanent in his presence and identity by his name. Now, the seventh church, Laodicea, the lukewarm church. Revelation 3, 20 and 21 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him, and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. When you look at this church, this church was repulsive to God. And the crazy part about this church is um, they thought they were rich, but Jesus said they were poor. If you remember Smyrna, they were poor, yet Jesus said they were rich, which shows God is not counting cash flow, but God is counting character. And whatever disgusted God about this church could not be hidden by their veneer of wealth. You know, they disgusted God by their lack of enthusiasm for the things of God. 
Perhaps they grew comfortable with their American, I mean, Laodicean wealth. It also seems that Jesus was outside this church, perhaps at a distance because of their repulsiveness. Yet he would gladly enter if they let him in. And the reward to those who conquer lukewarmness is the promise of fellowship with God. Similar to the church of Thyatira, Jesus rewards the repentant of this church with position of rulership where they will sit on the throne with him, referring, and this is referring to the millennium kingdom again, but he doesn't stop there. He also offers to share a meal with them, which is a deep level of fellowship. Now picture Jesus being so repulsed by this church that he uses the picture of him vomiting them out of his mouth to describe his disgust and then saying, if you repent, I will come and eat with you. I will share a meal with you. Now, sharing a meal back in those days meant true fellowship and friendship. And Jesus promises those who conquer the lukewarmness, friendship, and fellowship. Now, some of these rewards are very specific to what was going on in those churches. But if you look at some of the phrases that were repeatedly used, it shows that there's application for every believer. The first phrase is, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And the fact that he said, he who has an ear, uh, means he's talking to Anyone who's listening, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches implies he is speaking to them, but also anyone who can hear this message. So as you read and study these churches, ask yourself, is there anything, any warnings? Is there any encouragement that the Spirit is speaking to me? The second phrase that's used often is to the one who conquers. To every Christian, he tells them to the one who conquers or overcomes, as some translations put it, will receive these rewards. And my question, Christian, is what do we need to overcome? What are you overcoming currently? What are you conquering? You can hear the warnings and rewards and miss the fact that these churches exist today in all of us. Each of us should be examining ourselves to make sure that we are moving towards Christ. And perhaps these rewards will motivate us to keep pressing on. Now, I want to go back to the church of Smyrna and Philadelphia. Both of these churches were thriving. Jesus had nothing negative to say about them. Uh, but what was different about them? They didn't have the encouragement of these letters until they were delivered to them. They may not have even known what rewards were given to them, which brings me to the greatest reward. They had Jesus. See, with most of these rewards, especially to the corrupted churches, the message was, if you do this, then you will have this. Well, Smyrna and Philadelphia were doing it anyways. They were doing what they were supposed to do. This is why you have to find your satisfaction in Jesus. See, when you love him, when you're satisfied in him, it doesn't matter whether you endure persecution or hardship or are surrounded by evil. You will be a conqueror because you have your first love. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.14 that he is compelled or he is moved by the love of God. He's driven by the love of God. It was the love of Christ that was the greatest reward that drove him to suffer for the sake of Christ. Now I want to tell you the story of two goats, my favorite basketball players, Kobe and Jordan. Both of them were greats. Both of them had a bunch of passion. Both won rewards, such as MVPs, scoring titles, multiple All-Stars appearances, and championships. But if you ask them why they sacrificed so much, they would tell you it wasn't just to achieve those things, although they wanted to, but it was their love for the game. It was the love and the passion that they have for the game. I pray that we all achieve those rewards, but I also pray that our love for Christ causes us to be conquerors like Jesus who conquered for our sake. 
Now, if you want to study these things deeper, I want to encourage you to join a Harvest small group. And you can join our men's groups, our women's groups, or our couples groups over at harvest.church forward slash groups. Once again, thank you for listening to our Harvest Men of Valor podcast. God bless you.